Rough Road Podcast, Episode Two. Today, uh, I'm I'm your host Lee Steele. Today we have uh, Kathy and Ryan Little on the show with me today. So, uh, Kathy, why don't you introduce yourself? All right, I'm Kathy Little, and Ryan and I have been married for almost 16 years. I was born and raised in Mesa, and lived here my whole life. So nice. Very good. What about you, Ryan? So I'm Ryan. And uh, yes, as my wonderful wife uh, introduced us, um, we have been married for almost 16 years. And uh, I am—I grew up here in Mesa, Arizona, but I was originally born in California, and then we moved quite a bit when I was a kid. But uh, I work as—I'm an actual—well, I'm an RN, and uh, I do uh, medical device sales is what I do now. So that's what I do for work. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So, um, to follow the theme of the podcast, it's about over- overcoming adversity, um, getting on, getting through that rough road, if you will. So, you guys had an experience, or maybe possibly more experiences than one, that we're going to talk about. But before we do that, um, so I listened to a podcast. Um, it's called the Never Quit Podcast, and what they always do is they always ask a bunch of questions. There's one question that they ask that intrigues me and so I want to know what you guys answer are if you were trapped in a closet for 30 minutes and had to choose to either be trapped in there with water moccasins or a chimpanzee with a hand grenade <laughs> with a very strong sense of uh, what do you call it the in- inquisitive or, or what do you call that no, uh, Which would you choose? Would you choose like the water curi- moccasins? Like curi- like yeah, curious. Very, very high sense of curiosity. Okay. Which would you choose? Go ahead, Kathy. You choose. Would you go with the water moccasins or would you go with? Well, I don't know what water moccasins are. It's a snake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think I'd go with the monkey. <laughs> I don't think I could the do chimp. the snakes. Yeah, okay. chimp. With a grenade, though? I don't know. With a grenade? That's I don't know. There, I know, that but the, the snakes could. Are they? Wait, time out. Are they poisonous? I don't know if water markets are poisoned or not, but they're they're pretty aggressive sometimes. What's your answer, Ryan? I hate snakes. Is so is the <laughs> is the grenade? Like, it's active. All they gotta do is pull the pin, pull and, the pin and, and, and and let and the spoon a, go. And you have a curious monkey. I yeah. think I'd go with the water moccasin myself because I wouldn't <laughs> want to die. I know, but it, we don't know if these snakes are poisonous. You might die anyway. Or maybe, well, maybe I would go chimpanzee because then we could, uh, you're just maybe done. together we could work to try to bust the door. No, but you're alone. you're alone. Oh, you're alone. You're alone and you can't get out for 30 minutes. Oh, for 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Then I would definitely go water moccasin. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, <laughs> that was just a fun little question. They ask a bunch of questions. I, I've just curious what because when i heard that question i thought man i know what i would choose and it's definitely the water moccasins yeah because yeah. chimps are evil i don't care what anybody <laughs> says they're evil it's true and if they have a hand grenade they're really evil. they're really evil. Yeah. <laughs> so oh my too far away so. there we go yeah so why don't you guys go ahead and kind of give us your tag team the story your history of your adversity. Okay, so I guess uh, 
We'll start from the very beginning. Well, when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> Let's not go back that oh, far. Okay, okay. <laughs> I Sorry. think probably mid-2000s <laughs> is probably fine. Perfect. So when Kathy and I first got married, I did a bunch of different kind of odd jobs. I actually was framing houses right before we got married and I got laid off. And uh, Or no, I was cleaning pools. You were pools. cleaning pools. Yeah. Sorry. I was cleaning pools. Got laid off, and then when we first they said got your married, speedo was too tight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like Cabana boy. You're just <laughs> a little too much. No, so I got laid off of that. It was the guy that I worked for had a big contract. And he ended up losing it, and so he was like, "Hey, I'm, I know you're getting married. I'm really sorry, but I gotta let you go." So I was like, "Okay, well, whatever." He so had a sugar mama. That's so. true. She did hair. Kathy did hair, so that helped. Does hair? Does hair Does still? Hair. Yes. You More full time. You didn't forget, right? No. <laughs> no. <Okay>. <laughs> she still <laughs> knows that. Um, so, uh, that was kind of like my first job. I used to work for my dad. My dad is a painting contractor. And anyway, so once that happened, I then framed houses, but I could make more money working for my dad. So my dad hired me back. And so, uh, somewhere in between there, I had actually called a guy randomly. I think he had called me and was trying to talk me into, uh, possibly buying a home and was kind of telling me about it. And so I met with him and I thought, I thought, you know, I had thought about getting into real estate and I kind of asked him a few questions about it. And so he kind of told me about it and I thought, well, I'd like to get my real estate license. So I ended up, I think we'd only been married, what, like 2003, 2003. Yeah. We got married in November, 2003. That's right. So like right around there, I went and got my real estate license and then started doing that while I was working for my dad. So did real estate and worked for my dad, painting houses, kind of did real estate on the side, but eventually it got to the point where, um, a friend of ours, um, was he worked for a mortgage uh, company and they ended up relocating an office that they had in Florida to Arizona. And it was right after, what was the hurricane that hit? Was it Andrew? Was Katrina? that the big one? I don't know. It wasn't Katrina. Yeah, it, it was, was further back. Further back. Anyway, one of the big ones that hit. So Florida, their like data center got like wiped out. So the company said, hey, we're going to switch everything over to Arizona. So they relocated a ton of people. Well, he... He basically said, hey, you want to call Ryan Little? He's your guy for real estate. So I had like the VP of the company bought like a luxury home. And then I had like three or four other people that bought really nice, like three, four hundred thousand dollar houses. So I made a ton of money, like in a relatively short amount of time. And during that time, I decided to get into commercial real estate. And so I had taken a class, a guy actually that ended up buying a house from me. He was thinking of he's a tennis pro, like semi pro. And he wanted to open up a uh, like a tennis academy, and so he was looking at commercial property. And so I went and took this commercial class, and I met my at the time my broker, and uh, he was like, "Hey, you really ought to look into doing like raw land. I think you'd really like it." And so I ended up um, taking the class, finishing it, and I switched my license over to this new brokerage and started to get into raw land. So eventually, um, my area of where I would do all of my land was up north. So a lot of other guys in the office were doing stuff down south. And so I took the north part of the country and then, or the state. And then eventually, um, well, uh, you quit, we, you quit painting and I quit painting full time. After yeah. that, after that, I just did real estate full time because I had like enough six yeah. homes closing. Right. I had enough money kind of just boom all in one shot that I was like, Hey, now's my time to kind of all in. Painting. Let's do it. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Let's do this. And so <laughs> we uh, ended up started to do some investing ourselves. And then I was representing a bunch of people. We ended up moving up north. So we lived in Lakeside and uh, we did real estate up there. And until uh, about 2008, when that whole debacle happened with uh, the downturn in the market. And, we moved uh, up there. It was like, it was what, like September. 
oh seven. Yeah. So it was. And about six months in, his boss quit paying us. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, hey, I'm not going to, because he paid me a salary to open up an office up there. So I was an office manager with the intent of hiring, you know, three or four real estate agents underneath me, um, which eventually actually never happened. <laughs> I interviewed, I think, a few people, but it just never, because by that, at that point, it was already starting to. It was already passed away. Yep. The bur- bubble had burst. Yep. And so, well, it, it, I don't know if it had actually gotten that bad yet, but the writing it was, was on slowing the wall. down. It was slowing yeah. down big time. Like, right. I, a lot of people were not coming into my office. I had a bunch of properties <laughs> that I couldn't give away. You know, I just could not do it. And so, eventually, we ended up um, having three to months borrow. into living there. Though, yeah. I found out I was pregnant with our third kid. That's right. So we had a one-year-old and a three-year-old mm-hmm. and I was pregnant. Yeah. So that, and that was, was pretty awesome <laughs> to have no income with two kids and one on the way. Yeah. Scary times for sure. Um, so it got, kept getting worse, kept getting worse. We had an office and my broker kept saying, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll get you caught up. I'll get you caught up. I know it's stressful. Let me just, we actually we kept had, saying, I've got deals that are going to close. Yeah, and we had, close. I actually went and showed some people um, from Canada um, that we're going to come down and like liquidate our whole like account, basically any piece of property that we owned, any property that I was representing, they were just going to buy everything. And then we had moved up there as well because we were going to try to be a partner in a deal where my broker was fronting a lot of the money. I was going to be the agent to sell all these lots that we were going to divide, subdivide it all up and sell it. And uh, what ended up happening was the guy that we had lined up that was going to purchase that property, he ended up not being able to sell his property over in New Mexico. So he could then not buy the property that we were trying to buy with him. And so it was just kind of this domino effect and it just kept getting worse, kept getting worse. And that was the whole point of why we went up there was because it was, I mean, it was hundreds of lots that we were going to sell. And I was basically going to be like a silent partner. I was going to sell them all and then just be a partner in the deal. So instead of getting a commission, I would then, because we were selling everything on terms, um, but that everything went south with that. And then I couldn't sell any of my properties that I had actually invested in. And um, I had uh, actually was representing a client that was, so it was my broker's cousin, I think, that had bought, it was like 1,500 acres. And I was actually the one that had the listing on it. Well, they ended up selling it out from underneath me so I should have got a commission on it which would have been three percent of like I think it was like a two million dollar deal it's like 60 grand basically that just went you didn't need it anyway right? yeah exactly <laughs> I was I was rolling you know by that point but no I mean by that point we weren't because we'd invested a lot of the money that we had right. made back into the market and and just kind of was trying to get things my thought was that by the time I was probably the age I am now we were what 27 28 I was 28 when I got pregnant with Ella. Yeah. So right around that age, I thought by the time I hit 39, 40, I'd be like set. You know, I thought I'd be like pretty much semi-retired by that point. So that was the trajectory of where we were heading. But man, it changed quick. (laughs) So that's pretty much it. That's kind of the the long and short. Yeah, we were in Lakeside. When did we move home? Oh, it was... It was October. November, November 1st. Wasn't it October? You, you came down because he started working for his dad again. That's right, yeah. So yep. Ryan moved back down and would we, come home on the weekends. We had no, I mean, we literally had We had like zero no income. Yeah, nothing. Because I had quit working. I was mm-hmm. coming down to do hair um, probably up until the last two months of my pregnancy. Yeah. But then I quit doing that. And then I was coming down, what, uh, like on, you I think would I would come work down Thursday, the Friday, yeah. Saturday. And then I would go back up and try to 
if you know if anything was happening which nothing was so it was at that point well the real turning point was when I went to go to my office one morning and my broker was like, yeah, yeah, I'm taking care of the rent. Don't worry about it. You know, we've been late a couple of <coughs> times. It wasn't a super expensive office, but you know, it's 1500 bucks or whatever. And I didn't have the money at the time. And so the landlord kept calling me and was like, your broker hasn't paid me. Like if you guys don't pay, I'm, I'm kicking you out. And I was like, okay, we'll get it figured out. So I kept calling him like, do you have the money? Like we got to pay this guy. And so I showed up one day to go to work and uh, there was two giant trash bags out in front of the office and it had all of my paperwork in it. And we had probably, there was probably $10,000 at least worth of like equipment, like printers. And he did leave, like I had a laptop and he left, he put that in the big giant um, garbage bin or garbage sack along with all like my records and everything but everything else he kept and we had like desks credenzas printer like a super nice laser printer that was worth like i don't know two thousand dollars or something it was just a ton of stuff and furniture that basically he kept because he changed the locks on the door and i couldn't get in and so that i think was kind of when it hit like i gotta get out of here like this is not going anywhere so so we had ella in september yeah. and then we and then moved November 1st. Yeah. And so he couldn't even spare a box. No. <laughs> he probably used he your trash mad. bags. <laughs> I think they were, actually. <laughs> I think they were my trash bags. No joke. So this, this was the landlord that actually did this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So the landlord, he anyway, and I called him and he's like, sorry, man, you didn't pay. So I'm keeping the, the furniture. He's like, I put all your documents and stuff in the, in the bags. And he's like, good luck. I said, okay. Thanks. <laughs> so that was when it hit that like, well, I think we still even tried to make it work after that, actually. So I think that's when we moved from the house that we were renting into that little, we'd moved into this little cracker box. My wife's pregnant. She walked in and started tearing up because it was so, it was just a dive. I mean, this place was so nasty. And then the guy promised me that he was, the guy that we were going to rent it from, He's like, yeah, we're going to fix it up and we'll, we're going to put new floors in. And he did do that, but he gave me a date of when it was going to be all done. Anyway, we ended up showing up the day, <laughs> the day that we were moving and it was like not done at all. He was still in there and I just like lost it. You know, I'm like the whole, like our whole church group was there to help us move. And I was cussing the guy out. They're like, <laughs> brother little, you need to calm down. I'm like over hyperventilating in the corner. <laughs> So anyway, it was only like a month we stayed though. Yeah. That. And so then, yeah, we moved into that small house and then finally it was, I mean, I just couldn't get anything to work. Nothing was happening and we were just dead in the water. We were basically running out of money. We had um, some lines of credit that we had maxed out just because I was trying to float it. I kept thinking, you know, if, if something happens, I want to make sure I'm here that we can kind of make this work. And eventually we just had to give back properties and, and walk away from all the listings that I had and, and we just so how much property did up. you have at that time um, we had I think I owned about well I was how able to acres? sell I was able to sell <coughs> probably because I had two 40 acre pieces and then I had another like 100 acre piece so it was probably close to probably almost 200 acres it was like 180 or something like that was about how much acreage I personally had um, that I was trying to offload. I was able to sell, so I did a double escrow. That kind of helped us a little bit, but really all it did was get us out of some debt. And that but we even then, got back into. we got right back into because we didn't have any money to live on. So 
we just were foolish. We were young. We had no plan. We had no, you know, I kind of just thought we were going to be able to ride this wave forever. And then as soon as it stopped, we just, it caught us. Well, so. when real estate was good, it was really good. Yeah, it was great. We made really And we kept thinking it would pick back up. I don't yeah. think we realized the level of what the market did in 2008 until right. after, after it had happened. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody thought that it would never end, mm-hmm. that bubble. Because yep. it happened in California years ago. Right. And it just kind of leveled out and then... Okay, now a house is worth this much, or land's worth this much. That's it. It just leveled yep. out. It didn't do that here, though. Yeah. Well, it got I kept really thinking, big. It got too top heavy. Oh yeah. Yep. I kept thinking that it would correct, you know, or that because I, I I would look at like Las Vegas and, and Nevada, and that had already been happening there. But the difference between Arizona and Nevada was the job market. The job market here in Arizona was it was a lot better than it was in Nevada. And so I kept thinking, that's what will save us. You know, our job market's better. We have a stronger job market. People are still working. But then it got to the point where then they weren't. And, and it was just as bad as it was anywhere else. And it just was bad all around. So there wasn't anyone buying anything because nobody was working, you know. Or if they were, right. they were just hunkering down and kind of waiting for the storm to pass. So, yeah. I mean, as far as like, yeah, it was probably to, an- to go back to answer your question. I know I had that listing on 1,500 acres. And then I had like a couple of um, a couple of lots that were like five acre lots. I think that I had listed with a guy. I had his house listed as well because he was trying to then buy another property. And then I had well, we had some family that lived up in Sholo, and I had the listing. But then they ended up. It was kind of a long story, but um, that's why you don't. Work the with cherry family. on top. You just yeah. don't mix business with family. <laughs> They thought I was being like dishonest or something in the listing, but I told them when we, so I, the, what it was, was the, so the guy that had put the offer in on the home, he had done a contingent offer on his property selling to be able to buy that one. And I told him, I said, Hey, this is not a good offer, but it's an offer. So it's better than nothing. I mean, it, it, I'm working really hard to sell his property so he can, but he really wants this one. And so we're going to do everything we can to make it work, but it's not super strong. If it were me, I'd probably just wait. But, I mean, it is an offer, so if you guys want to take it, go for it. And the kicker was he wanted me to write in the contract that if he was, like, he could basically cancel after any point of time and still retain his earnest deposit. And I told that from them, from or I explained that to them from the beginning. So I'm like, it's not a super strong offer, but, you know, he's interested and he wants to make it work. So, um, you know, it's up to you So guys. he wanted zero risk. Right. Which, and I told them that, I said, it's zero risk. I don't know if I would do that. And they were like, no, 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 that's fine. Let's just do it. That's, you know, it's better than nothing. Let's do it. And I was like, okay, but I'm just making sure you guys understand that this is not that good of a deal for you because he can bail out anytime he wants and he has no skin in the game. No, 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 it's fine. So then sure enough, like 30 days later, he's like, oh, I can't do this. I'm trying to get out of it. And uh, he ended up walking and took his earnest deposit, but it was written that way. Well, they thought that they were getting that $1,000 and they thought that somehow, like, I think they thought that I like cheated him out of it. I'm like, no, he, that's the way that the contract was written. I explained that to you guys, but they were a little offended. They remembered it differently. Yeah. So whatever it was. And anyway, so that kind of kind of bummed me out a little bit and then the guy that ended up getting the listing he sold it pretty quick actually so i was like oh man so anyway it just went it just that was not a good time in my life it was really hard so you you went from doing regular residential um mm-hmm. 
selling to commercial. Mm-hmm. So, and you went to property instead, like land instead mm-hmm. of houses, right? Right. In in the commercial side of it. Right. So Just raw raw land. Yep. Right. So was this prime land? What was the? It was so it, you know. But so I I don't know if you've ever heard like on the radio when they advertise like you could buy like a thirty six acre lot. I mean it's rural. I mean it's definitely out there, but it was it was something that a lot of people were doing because real estate was so hot. People were just buying whatever they could get because they knew that it was a pretty good investment, especially with right. land because it's, it you're buying it super ch- cheap. You're right. And the thought is if you can wait long enough, it's going to appreciate. So that was, um, that's the it, key. If you can mm-hmm. wait long enough, right? Don't wait to <laughs> buy land, buy land and wait. That's your experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time, time didn't end up working for me on that one. So, but yeah, so it was. Uh, so it was these tough. pieces of property you had, these these weren't like in downtown Sholo or anything like that. No. These were these were way out, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like someone would buy to put like a cabin on or something like that. Right. It was pretty, pretty big rural. for people to like live off the grid. Yeah, and they that was buy. right when solar was big, wind was getting big, so a lot of people were buying stuff to kind of like I had one client that wanted to build like a yurt and like live on this yurt nice. out in the middle a, of nowhere. A glorified yeah. tent. Yeah, That's exactly. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That was their plan. They actually had, there was a husband and a wife. He was getting to retire, getting ready to retire. And uh, they had a son that was like 17 or 18. They were all going to live in this yurt. Let me guess. They were going from like a 3,000 square foot house to like a 200 square foot. Yeah, he did. uh, He did. um, He was like a head honcho for the corrections department in the state of Arizona. He did pretty well. And so he had a really good pension and a good retirement. But they were tired of the rat race and they wanted to just kind of live off the land and Wow. So they bought a little piece of property and did that. So there's a few little things I was able to do. And like I said, I had invested in a couple of 40-acre uh, pieces, and then I did like a double escrow. So I was able to sell them. I basically went and I had an interest in the property with my contract, and I advertised it that way. I said, I don't own this property, but I have an interest in the property, but I'm selling it. And so I was able to get people that were interested in it to then buy it, and so they bought it um, while I then sold it on the same, or I purchased it on the same day and sold it to the other people on the same day. It was called a double escrow. So that, like I said, that helped a little bit. But so yeah, basically November, though, of 08, I think we came, well, October, we came down in a weekend and found a house to rent yep. and moved in like two weeks later. Yep. But I don't even know. Did you have a job? Really no. Yet? Well, so my dad had called me and said, Hey, I know things are tight right now. He's like, I've got this job. That's probably like, he's like, I think I can only charge him like three grand. He was kind of doing it as a favor, um, to this guy that he had painted for before. And it was like his sister or something. She's like, I can only afford $3,000. My dad's like, fine, I'll do it. And, uh, but he ended up giving the job to me and he bought all the paint. So it was just pure profit. I just did it all myself. I painted the whole house by myself in like two weeks basically and was able to make about three thousand dollars so that that kind of floated us through during that time a yeah, friend of christmas ours, or something i think was that around christmas time i don't even know because i think i was working at uh, university of phoenix by then well it was probably november that you did yeah. well actually you moved down to start that job that's right yeah so i actually packed our house up by myself yeah. Yeah, that's Because right. he was down working. working. And then he came up that Saturday to get everything on the truck to move down. I've never been that lucky. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, Honey, you pack everything up. I'll meet you uh, down there. Oh, 
Well, good we've luck. only moved like nine work. times, so yeah. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> but after that job was over, like Ryan yeah. was saying, one of our mutual friends um, worked for University of Phoenix and said, go interview. Here's a time to show up and went and interviewed and got that job. But yep. it was probably like a fourth of the income that we had made the previous two years yeah before if, the market yeah, started maybe crashing even that, yeah. maybe even less yeah so it was it was tough so you you went from pretty successful mm-hmm. and then the the house of cards fell down <laughs> right <laughs> you move yeah someone someone it, shook the it table wasn't, yeah it, it wasn't very sturdy but yes it fell it was not built on the rock <laughs> Someone shook the table it was on and it fell, and you did what everyone does and screamed at him. Yeah. And then you moved back to the valley. So, how did you get from? How did you get from that terrible, you know, house of cards falling to where you're at now, being a nurse? Because I know that that's quite a bit of schooling. Yes. Because you have a master's degree, right? I do. I do. And you, how much schooling did you have before that? Before? None. Okay, <laughs> I, so I this is all. Had no schooling. <laughs> you, you were a high school graduate. Yes. Yeah. I had done what? Or well, maybe you? a semester of classes. Maybe, yeah, maybe like a semester or two. And that was my thing was, as soon as I got into real estate, you know, I saw the opportunity there and I was in school and I was like, school's for suckers, man. I can make so much more money if I just do real estate. And uh, so, and much to the chagrin of Kathy, she wanted me to do school and urged me to finish. And I was like, nah, I'm like, I'm going to do school, but I'm going to focus on real estate. I'll just become good at my trade and I'm going to learn as much as I can about real estate. And I'm going to focus on that. I'm not going to worry about a formal education, but boy, that was tough because, you know, when I was looking for a job at the time when we were up in Sholo, everyone was like, well yeah, you look great on paper and you've been successful and you have all these, like, you have great sales experience, but they're like, you don't have a degree. Like, we can't hire you. You have no education. So all these jobs I was trying to get, they were like, sorry, man, you're, <laughs> there's nothing we can do for you. Like, right. thanks, but no thanks, you know, good luck. <laughs> Hope that works out for you. <laughs> so, and I heard that more than once. Um, there was like a, a guy that had called me back. I don't even know if I ever told you about this one, but breaking news for i know it was for a uh, 10 years later i know right it was for like an acquisitions position with staples like to help them like buy property and like or get leases that's like right up your alley though yeah it was perfect like that was easy isn't that staples or is that is that office max anyway (laughs) whatever whatever uh the easy button. The easy, the button. easy button, yeah. yeah. So they called, and I did, like, a phone interview with them, and they they basically asked me, like, what's your education level? And I could tell, man, as soon as I was like, well, I'm a high school graduate. <laughs> They're like, you don't even have a four-year degree? I'm like, no, I, I don't. They're like, oh, yeah, sorry. There's nothing we can do for you. Good luck. You know, and basically hung up the phone. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man. So that was that was tough so that was what what was nice was when that friend of ours had mentioned university phoenix i thought well i can at least work for them i can get a degree and then kind of go from there um while i was working at university phoenix um i ended up so the lady that hired me the my director she picked i think it was me and like two other people from our team and mind you i had only been at university phoenix for what like three months three or four months yeah but 
I not to toot my own horn, but I did pretty well. Um, so I was an enrollment counselor there, and they were like, we've, we've never really seen somebody who's so new that was able to like do so well so fast. So I was kind of like, well, I'm going to like ride this wave because at the time with University of Phoenix, if you were enrolling a lot of people, they would compensate you pretty nicely. And so every six months they would reevaluate you. And depending on your number of enrollments, they would give you raises. So there were guys that were sitting there in these cubicles that were 23 years old that were making like over a hundred grand a year, just talking to people and getting them to enroll in school. Well, in the meantime, a lot of stuff changed, but anyway, so she ended up being kind of headhunted by Brian Mueller, who's the CEO of Grand Canyon. Now he was the CEO at University of Phoenix before. So he switched over to Grand Canyon University and then he was kind of looking to build a good team to get some enrollment going for uh, Grand Canyon University. And so my director approached me and like two other people on our team and was like, hey, I'm gonna, I wanna take you guys over to Grand Canyon. If you do it, this is about probably what we're looking at, what we can get you. And it was substantially more. I think it was, it was probably like 15,000 more. 15 to 20,000 more. Yeah, than yeah. what I was making. So it was a good opportunity at the time. Cause I, I mean, we went from, you know, doing great in real estate, making good money, like being successful, you know, over a hundred thousand a year. University of Phoenix, like 28,000. Yeah. I think they started me at like 28,000. So that was, I mean, I went from, you know, I would take these multimillionaires out to dinner and we're cutting huge deals. And you know, these guys are, you know, they just are worth a lot of money. I went from that to like, you know, working in a cubicle, (laughs) dialing a phone, making 28,000 a year. Um, trying to, you know, just enroll as many people as I could to go to school. So anyway, yeah, they bumped me up quite a bit. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it, I went from that to like 45, I think was what they offered me. To keep you? So you wouldn't, yeah. so you wouldn't Well, jump. no, just to go to over to Grand Canyon. So did you end up going to go Grand so Canyon? So I did, yeah. So I only worked at University of Phoenix. I didn't even put it on my resumes or anything because I just, I'm like, I was only there for like three months. So, and then I ended up going over to Grand Canyon. Well, at that point, they had changed the whole way that they did compensation for enrollment. Basically, the government came out and said, look, you guys are a for-profit university. You're using government funds. You can't compensate your people based off of the number of enrollments. And so that changed the whole game because at that point, the only thing they could do to motivate us would be retention. So we could try to get our students to stay in class if they finished like so many weeks of school then we would get a bonus or like a payout basically but how can you control that on the phone well right that's the whole thing right so that's the rub to where before it was like great because you could just slam them in and then it was just like okay figure it out you know it's not my job to make sure you do well in school i'm just here to facilitate you to enroll you know and and there are objections you know people would say oh i can't i don't have time i don't you know i'm not smart right. enough or what so we would kind of help them through those things and say look you can do this that's what's great about online schools that you can work you can still be a mom a dad whatever it is that you do you can do all of that and still get a degree but taking so, away those bonuses is what really finally yeah got ryan to say i need to finish school right right because and then, then there wasn't then, the potential to make right more you were just pretty much at your base pay and the bonuses even weren't as big as what they had been. Right. Those retention bonuses were great. And then we'll, and eventually I got into management. So I managed a a team of about 12, which was fine. It was great. And my team did wonderful. We actually had a lot of success. Um, I, but what I just felt like I just was like basically at the max of where I was going to be able to get the director that was over me. So uh, there's a director and then there's so many managers underneath the director. So the, this new director, so and and the whole change of everything. The original director that had, uh, had hired me at University of Phoenix, 
things didn't work out exactly the way they wanted. She was trying to build like this whole division. And then they basically said, you can't do that. You're stacking all the people that were at Grand Canyon got mad because they felt like we came in with these all-stars and they're just going to kill it. And so they made us split all up. So they split us all up. They put us on different teams and then she ended up doing a whole nother division. So long story short, I had a new director. And so this director, when I became a manager, she did not like me very much at all. And there was a couple of times where I tried to, I was trying to get a position, um, higher up than a manager but it just never worked out it nothing would happen with it and so I just I kind of had hit the ceiling of how far I was gonna get and I think I was making like what 55 maybe with a little bit of bonus and stuff so it wasn't like we were killing it and we were still struggling you know four kids making like 50 grand a year like enough to live but not great you know we were struggling so anyway that was um I think, in fact, we were just talking about this the other day. I think what happened was I had called my father because my, my dad's pretty successful. He's been able to run a, this paint company. He has like 15 or 20 guys that work for him, does really well. Um, and he had kind of mentioned to me, hey, I'm going to be retiring in 10 years or whatever. Are you interested in possibly taking over the, the business? You know, And at the time, I was kind of like, I don't know, Dad. I mean, we had clashed a bunch in the past. And that's why I didn't really work for him um, or I stopped working for him. And so in the past, and so anyway, I had called him when I was at a low point at Grand Canyon because at this point, Kathy can attest, I was just like a dark cloud of <laughs> despair. Ryan's pretty happy, ninety nine percent of the time, but there was probably like what, I three, don't know a three year period. I mean, that last year at Grand Canyon, I felt like I was pretty happy, but it was because I had a purpose. I knew what I was going to do, and that's when I had decided to go to nursing school. He would just um, go to work and come home, yeah, and I was just kind he of was a pretty shell. much a zombie when he got yeah. home. Like, it was hard to get him to interact with anyone or, I mean, really, he was just kind of checked out. I felt trapped. You know, I just felt like, man, I peaked at 28. You know, I've done (laughs) everything I'm going to do. I'm just resigned to the fact that I'm going to sit in a cubicle the rest of my life and dial a phone and try to get people to go to school that can hardly read. (laughs) That was basically what I felt like my life had come to. And I'm just like, how did I get here? So I was super depressed. I mean, pretty much the whole time I was at Grand Canyon, I was really depressed big time um i had like put on a bunch of weight and because i just wasn't moving around i just sat in their cubicle all day and uh and then you didn't want to do anything when you got home either oh yeah totally i was drained you know and because that job was pretty it it wasn't difficult physically but you had to be on it like when you talk to somebody over the phone you have to be super animated in your voice and you gotta well and you were basically selling education right which that in and of itself kind of I don't know. It just didn't feel very fulfilling, you know, to me. It was like a scam. I felt like I was scamming people. It wasn't, I mean, I was Some people didn't even know how to get on the internet. Yeah. And they wanted to take online classes. And I was like, oh, yeah. Or they didn't, right, they wouldn't have a computer. And so would you still try to sell them even if they didn't know how to do it? I mean, if they wanted to do it, I would, yeah. I mean, if they wanted to enroll and they could do all the steps to enroll, I was like, hey, if you can do that, then that's, that's whatever. I guess that's my, (laughs) that's what it is. So, yeah, it, it was just, it wasn't good. It was super, super depressing. Um, so what changed was actually a friend of mine, we sat together. And so he had kind of had a unique story too, but he basically had gotten to the point where he was making really good money, way more than I was because he was back. He had gotten into it back when they were given all these huge, 
Um, so they didn't bring the salaries down after they changed the policy. They didn't bring them down. Um, they just <coughs> didn't really allow you to the, get these huge increases like you could before. Gotcha. So he had kind of gotten up to where he was probably making at least a hundred grand a year. Um, so he's like, but I'm stuck here because well, and he hated his job. Yeah, he hated his job. A- anyone that's worked in a call center knows. Been there, done that. Yep. I know what that's all about. Exactly. It's horrible. It's just a bad yeah. environment. It's not. It's just soul sucking. It really is. It's. Uh, and it's then they have all these things job. you have to meet. Yep. If you have a bad month, man. Yep. Am I going to lose my job Am over this? Am I going to lose my job? Sure. Yep. Right. It didn't matter how good Ryan's previous right. month was. Right. right. So what have you done for me lately? Yep. Right. Exactly. Yep. And so instead of being motivated to then make all this money by enrollments, it was now, well, you're motivated to just keep your job, <laughs> basically, right. is what it boiled down to. But so, so it's kind of a good guy, thing. Looking back, it's probably a good thing that they didn't pay you all this money because you'd probably be stuck there right now. You know, I thought about that, and that buddy of mine actually still is there today. He's still working there and hates it. And I call him, and I'm like, how you doing? He's like, I hate my life. Like, you know, he he has four kids, and he's he does other stuff, but he's like, I hate this. He's like, this is horrible. And he's like, I've painted myself in a corner because I make really good money, but I, he's like, I'm a, I call people on a phone, and I try to get them to go to school. Like, that's that's what I do for work. He's like, where am I going to use that anywhere else other than another phone job, you know? Right. And he's good at sales. Like if he did like face-to-face sales, I think he'd be great at it. Um, but he's like, I make too much money. He's like, I make too much money though. I'm not willing to give that up. He's like, I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm right. not going to quit that. He's like, that's a good living, you know, really for what I do, it's not bad. But anyway, so he hates they would it, talk we would all talk, the time. We would talk though, all the time. Going to school. His brother was a dentist. Do. His brother was a dentist. And he's like, you know, it's not too late. Like, we could go back to dental school. And at the time, I was in my program um, at Grand Canyon. I was uh, doing, what was my program? It was uh, management. Applied management was the name of my degree. And I was probably, what, like, I don't know, three or four classes away from, like, finishing my bachelor's degree. So originally, I was actually going to quit and start doing prerequisites to do dental school. That was kind of my plan. And I talked to a couple people, and they're like, well, why don't you just finish your degree? You're this close, you know. You might as well just finish it. And I was like, you know, that's a good point. I might as well get it done. So I finished my bachelor's degree, and then I was like, okay, now what, you know. And, and uh, Well, or, no, probably I, like, what, 10 years previous, our friend, maybe not 10, but like probably eight years before that, our friend was in nursing school, and I'm like, Ryan, would you ever want to go to nursing school? And he was like, you're ridiculous. I will like, never be a nurse. <laughs> that's for girls. And I don't know, last time I checked, I'm a guy. <laughs> so then fast forward, he kept talking about dental school. And for me, it was another, what, eight years of school oh, yeah, ahead of us? Because I would have had to finish my bachelor's degree and then do all my prerequisites because and I then didn't have in. any science. It was all business and I had already used all my electives. All I had were like core classes left. So it wasn't even like I could like, oh, I can do some of these classes to get my degree and then I can transfer and do dental school. It was like, no, I had to finish my degree. And which get was like, like two more years year, of prereqs. And then do like two years of prereqs and then apply to dental school, get it, you know, take the DAT and all that and then get in. And then I was thinking eventually I wanted to do pediatric dentistry. So then it would have been additional you two years. specialized for two that. years, yeah. right? So I would have been. So it was. I it still was would have been in school. Not what I that. wanted. Yeah. But. But you I were knew, happy to see me just have I like just a spark knew, of Well, and I knew he needed to come to that conclusion, too. Yeah. Like, it wasn't going to do... If I suggested it, <laughs> it would have been... That's not true. Well, he just needed to come to it on his own, not in a bad it, way. It is. It's true. 
It's more motivating, right? Yeah. When you decide on on your own, even though she was the one that was kind of feeding this to you, Mm -hmm. you came to it on your own, so you were more committed to it at that point. Well, and our neighbor across the street, I I talked to his wife a lot, and he was in a program at ASU for nursing. For nursing, yeah. And so she kept telling me all about it. And so I would just a little bit by little bit just kind of drop some information yeah, but towards at that him. time i was pretty gung-ho on i'm doing dental school because you know i thought that's a good way to like provide for my family i can make good money like i won't have to worry about these ups and downs what you do i mean of course the right. market's the market right i mean if the economy's bad people aren't getting their teeth done either but for the most part it's a valuable skill but when you bust your teeth you gotta get you have it done. to take care right. of it yeah. and it's something that right you're always going to need to go to the dentist you're always going to need to go to the doctor you know, that's something that it might go up and down, but for overall, it's not like the real estate market, you know, where it's right. like literally like day to day, you're like not quite sure what's, cause even when we did well, we'd still have like months where we're like, Ooh, I haven't sold anything, you know, like, I don't, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever had a bad toothache before <laughs> I had an, I had an abscessed tooth Ooh. and I did not have insurance. And guess where I went? <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. Right. It, you it didn't matter. You could go. Right. Because you get it taken it's care terrible. Of. Yeah. Right. So and, this guy graduated, this, though. And then I think that's when you started talking to him. Yes. So I started talking to this guy that became an RA. A nurse. And he did a bachelor's program. And he's like, you know, you ought to look at University of Arizona. Um, they have a local program here in Phoenix. It's right across the street from where ASU did their program downtown in Phoenix. And he's like, but what's cool about it is it's a master's degree. So you can graduate with your master's. Um, the one What does that is, get you? Well, it, it so it was... Uh, you become an RN at the master's level, basically, is what it so is. So what does that get you, having the master's? It, it gets you a little bit more money. When that's you, it? When, yeah. That, I mean, that's pretty much it. And then if you wanted to get into leadership or... Well, know, and then if, he wouldn't have had... I mean, if he's going to get another bachelor's degree, why not right. just get the master's? Because at gotcha. that point... Because he would decided. have had to have gotten another right. bachelor's degree. And really, when I sat down and started looking at, okay, if I can... You know, this is how much it's going to cost me to finish, you know... Um, dental school and you know i was looking at i mean it was like over four or five hundred thousand dollars of debt i was going to be in and so like Chunk man, change i'm like i'm going to be 40 years old when i'm done and i'm going to be in you know four, hundreds, four of to, thousands. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and you know if i wanted to buy into a practice and just or starting out and just yeah. starting out it's not like i'm right. a young buck you know and I, I mean i'm 40 so it still gives me what a good 25 years that i could work right. and I mean, when you if you if I was able to do my own practice, it you can might have made money. sense. You, right. right, you can kind of compound that, and it kind of makes more sense. But I was like, you know, there's no guarantee. What if what if the market turns again, and I right. I have to just go work as a, you know, if, even if I'm making two hundred thousand dollars as a as a dentist somewhere, just a general dentist, you know, I'm like, that's if for I'm the debt five six hundred thousand dollars in debt. That's a lot of money that's going to well debt. and nursing right. school. He could have gotten right in. And it was a 15-month program. Yeah. So right. we maybe had six months of time that we waited for him to start his program. Yep. Instead so of just waiting the sense. two years, and then it was only 15 months of school. Yeah. So it was quicker. I could get out faster. I could start making money sooner. And, you know, I started researching it, and I'm like, you know, really with nursing, you don't have to do bedside nursing forever. You can do management. You can do leadership. So that's where the master's came into play, too. I thought, well, I'll have a master's degree. I'm a little bit more... I have a little bit more experience than the average, you know, 
person that's graduating right. from like a community college with just their associate's degree in nursing, ADN or whatever I think is what they call it. Um, yeah, associate's degree in nursing. Um, anyway, so I, I thought, well, I think that actually would be pretty good and administrators can make pretty good money and there's a lot of uh, administrators of hospitals that are RNs, you know, they've gotten into management. And right. Kinda, and with my business background and sales, I kind of understand that sales really is, drives a lot of what we do. I mean, even right. though, even in healthcare, it's funny because when I did become a nurse, I worked in the ER and everyone really enjoyed me. My patients always like did what I said. And I'm like, it's because I'm nice to them because <laughs> I treat, I did sales. I know how to like talk to people and get them well, to do what I want to do. Want to be I, nice. It's because right. I don't come in with a big long needle and jab them when they're not looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, but that was ultimately it was just the time versus money and the debt and all that. And so that's when, when I found that program that was only 15 months. You know, so the real reason, sense. Kathy, the real reason you wanted to do it is because they get to wear scrubs also. Totally. I could pretend I was married to a doctor. Not just a doctor. kidding. Right. <laughs> Not just a doctor. kidding. <laughs> he well, does look pretty good in his scrubs. A dentist so. is a doctor. True. She could pretend she's married to a doctor. She wears scrubs. True. It's true. It's yeah. All, it's all the fantasy. So that's, that was the real reason why she right. she's like, Psh, I don't need $500,000 of debt for you to wear scrubs. You can go do it for right. for this a lot low, less. lot lower amount. <laughs> yep. So that was pretty And you'll much be gone it. just as much. Yeah, exactly. It'll be great. <laughs> so yeah so that's that's kind of the that's the story i guess that's and then i eventually graduated from that finished that and that was tough you know going to school i had to do school full-time and so we still got into some debt but it was a fraction of what i would have had um if i would have done dental school and um we we just uh, i went and started working as an rn in the emergency department um and I did that for, it was really only about a, what, a little over a little year, year over and a half. A year, year and a half but I was working like five, six nights a week. Kathy was like, something's got to change. Like, I can't do this anymore. You're gone literally all the time. Well, You're and you work nights too. I worked nights, so I would sleep all day. So even the day that I had off, it was night. So I would see them for what, like two hours, hours, three hours, and then they'd go to bed and I'd be like, <laughs> watching the paint peel you know i never watched so much tv in my life that's all i would do and then literally half the time i was asleep like i would fall asleep watching a show and then i'd wake up and i'd try to stay awake as much as i could but it was just it was a night so it didn't mess your schedule up yeah um right exactly because i want i wanted to be able to go to work the next night you know so i had to stay right. up during that so and uh, anyway it, it got to the point i know where i know all about that my, my mom was a nurse yep. and she always worked the night shift Always. You can make a lot more money, but it's tough. Yeah, she and that's what it was. And she would, she worked the night shift, so she was always sleeping in the day. Yep. She would get home at like six in the morning, go yep. to bed. Actually, she wouldn't go to bed. She'd make breakfast for us for before, before we went to school. She would take us to school, then she'd come home and go to bed, and then she would be getting up as we got home from school. Yep. Yep. That was and, about me. I'd usually get up around three or four. That's about when right. I would wake up. So yeah. But on her days off, she I don't remember her staying up all night. I think she would go to bed like when we normally would, and then it was just a rough first day back probably. Yep. Well, yep. and I think for Ryan, because he was our sole provider, he would work five or six days a week. So he never had, like most nurses, you work your three-day shift and you're done. But there were a lot of weeks he'd work six days. So that one day off, he couldn't yeah. switch back. Right. Because it, it would mess hard, him up yeah. for the next. And yeah. being in the ER, he's like, I'm going to kill someone if I don't get sleep. You know, like I have to be. Right. I think my mom worked four days, but yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I still think she would. I don't yeah. remember her staying up all night. But Yeah, yeah. even if I had three days off, I'd usually do that. I yeah. could stay up 
you know, I'd try to stay up as long as, long as, as I could. could when I'd get right. home, then go to bed. And then usually by the two days after that. But then I had to try to stay up all night that Next, last night yeah. that I was, right. you know, I tried to stay up as late as I could and then sleep in as long as I could. But it was it was rough. It was hard. So Kathy was like, something's got to change. It just wasn't working out for us. And a buddy of mine called me and said, hey, this uh, company, I just interviewed with them. I don't think I'm going to take the job. They didn't. They hadn't even offered him a position or anything, but they were looking for somebody. And so he interviewed, and he's like, it's a sales job, but they're looking, you know, they, they like having nurses because it's a clinical position. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for us because it was a guy that was in my program with me. And he had done medical device sales um, before he had become an RN, and then he um, was telling me about it when we were in school, and he's like, you got to get a job like this. It's awesome. They pay really well. You know, the benefits are great. He's like, the hours are awesome because a lot of it's like elective surgery, unless you're doing cardiac, which he ended up, this buddy of mine ended up doing cardiac. So that's more like you're on call. But this position in particular was for the neuro division. And so it was, uh, it was, it's for spinal cord stimulation. And so anyway, we were, I was able to interview for that job and got the job and that's what I do. So that's what you do now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're back in sales, full circle. Full circle, right? Yep. So back <laughs> in sales. But now you're selling medical equipment instead of land. Well, and what's nice about my position too is because I'm a clinical specialist, I, yes, I am. I can make more money if we sell more, but if I don't produce a number, my job isn't on the line. So I work with a territory manager. They're the ones Their that have to drive. Right. If they're not cutting the mustard, then they're, they're gone. But for me, I can add, you know, I can make sure that we make more money and bonus more if we're selling more. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to lose my job if we're not meeting our numbers, So, right. which is kind of nice. And it's kind of the best of both. I can do my clinical side. I still have interaction with patients. I work with a lot of doctors. I do, I'm in the operating room a lot, um, consulting with different doctors, neurosurgeons, orthopedic surgeons, and helping them insert these devices. So, so I want to go back to um, when you were in Cholo, the market tanks, mm-hmm. your losing your shirt mm-hmm. how did that affect you mentally uh <laughs> horribly i was sleeping horrible um couldn't sleep i just stressed you know stressed to the right. maximum here i am a, a father with three kids newborn and, baby well yeah. and i think for both of us we were just super naive yeah. like we both no, really thought like we're good people we're doing what's right Nothing we both served missions like right. we deserve these blessings and not like in a selfish way but i really think we just thought we'll be taken care of we'll be blessed well plus you probably felt like you were earning it right yeah i felt like I was well and ryan's hard. a hard worker right yeah. like he's not lazy at all and i'm all. not one to give up either very easily so i think that detriment. was a big blow <laughs> i mean he's not a dentist or anything but <laughs> exactly <laughs> Not a doctor. <laughs> um, yeah, so that it was hard. It was uh, ego, you know, uh, blasting. You know, I just felt like, I'm just like, man, I just can't make this work. It, it was devastating. I mean, it was, we went, you know, we lived a pretty good life. And, and uh, un- unfortunately, because we kept, in, you know, trying to reinvest all this money and stuff, I, we never really enjoyed it, <laughs> I felt like. But we, you know, had a lot of success and were on track to do really well. And when all that was taken away, it was... It, it was hard. It was, yeah, it was a big sense of loss, I feel like. Well, and then um, to be pregnant and no income. Like, I felt so stupid. Yeah. Like, here we are, we're no money, you know, yeah. and we're pregnant with our third kid. 
Hey, like, let's we, have another kid. <laughs> I don't have a job. I'm making no money, no prospects. Wait, so Perfect did you get time. pregnant after this? No. no. So we no, moved was... in September, and I found out I was pregnant in December. Yeah. And things didn't, like I said, I think it was six months in. Yeah. We had been really paid for started. six months, and then he quit paying us. So I was already pregnant, but yeah. I just felt dumb. Like, we had never, I had never been on WIC. I had never applied for any aid through the state. And we were on all of it. We were on all of it. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just, it was devastating to go in line with people that, I mean, you know, sometimes it's the bottom of the barrel, people that don't care, like they don't care. But why, why are the programs there? For sure. Exactly. They're, that, they're there for But it's a devastating reason, blow. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's different ego. Blow. It's different ego, you know. And it was hard for us, I think, to sure. even like make sense of. I don't know, even like who we were or how, like what we believe, you know, like how can all this happen? So it was, it was that angle too. It wasn't just the income. It was like who we were at our core. So you felt that because of how you lived your life, that something like this shouldn't happen. Oh yeah. hundred percent. You know, bad things don't happen to good people, right? I know now that that's wrong. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, but, but at the time we really yeah. we were just I, I immature. shared that I shared that same um, that same opinion years ago. Right. And then bad things happen, and wow, you find out real quick that that's not true. Right. Um. <clears throat> so I'm sure you're pretty depressed, Ryan. Yes. Um. So. How did that affect your mental state, Kathy? I think the hardest thing for me, I mean, I grew up, my dad's a plumber. He did new start construction. I lived in a constant up and down growing up. Like I, I was used to good times and hard times. And so even though that was hard and then really, I, and I know Ryan feels the same way and we love all of our kids and it's not like it was different because Ella was so special, but when we had her, she was like the bright spot in the darkest time of our life. Right. Like she was so sweet and so she she's was your favorite. So... They're never going to listen to this. <laughs> so you can just go ahead and say that she's your favorite. I don't even know what it was different about yeah. her. For, and I don't know if it was just at that time we needed it. Well, it was our first girl. Too. It was our first girl. So but even for Ryan, yeah. like she just made us happy in a time that I really like I didn't struggle with being depressed. Like, I have struggled being depressed before. So that didn't depress you? It, Losing everything didn't depress you? It was, it was like, hard, and it was... Um, but you weren't depressed. I wasn't depressed. I was. That's surprising. He was. Right. But I, I knew, too, like, I... Yeah, yeah, that's the provider in you, for sure, yeah. yeah. Well, and I knew I couldn't be, too, you know? Like, I... I mean, sometimes you can't control that, but I felt... I just felt, like, this immense blessing in a sense that I could just handle it like I and I'll be honest I struggle the most when when we're not connected and that was hard for me like that was hard for Ryan to be like in another place checked out checked out and I there was nothing usually I can like I can turn him around I can make him happy but that was definitely not the case so that was hard for me but I felt very blessed through that time I I honestly the last three years were harder for me than that time and that was with ryan having a good job with ryan having a good income 
like that phase was harder for me than than during that was he a jerk is that why <laughs> no it was just it was hard for him to be gone to, for this whole school because a couple of weeks ago he told me he was a jerk to you never so. Ryan, ryan's not a jerk <laughs> <laughs> no he didn't tell me that not intentionally anyway <laughs> no it i felt so, really blessed through that time i so really did did you did you know that he was depressed Could oh yeah oh yeah and so what were what were your steps to you know because you're obviously his spouse so you right. know that's part of your job to help him i just feel, feel better like about himself and i just tried to be as supportive and and hopefully he feels the same way i we'll tried to out. be as supportive as i could like i know i knew then how naive and immature i was to think that we would just be taken care of right um did you feel like you were taught that I feel, and I, I, do. I, I feel yeah. like it is a huge disservice to teach kids that you do what's right and good things happen. Good things happen. Right. And I feel like I was of. taught that. Yeah. I feel like I was taught that growing up in the church. And I think it's a huge disservice because life's hard for everybody. Right. And if that, if my testimony's pitted on that, it's going to be gone, you know? So if I am only going to believe if good, if my life is good, then that's a really tricky spot to be in. Now, I, I, I had that same opinion. I don't ever think I was taught that, though. I think it was just something I made up. Well, and maybe I assumed it. Right. I, I don't I think, know if I, I was actually it was taught me. it. I think right. I was. I think all these lessons growing up of you go on a mission, you get married in the temple, you work hard, you you're a good person. I think I just you naturally tell assumed the truth. it. You do, yeah, yeah, you do all these things, right? I just naturally, and maybe I wasn't actually taught that. It just is what I took from it. So, yeah. So, anyways, I, I felt I have. I had the same type of idea in my head. And then the house of cards comes crumbling down and right, right. you realize, whoa, no, that's not true. No. Bad things do happen. And yep. sometimes really bad things happen, you know? Totally. And, you know, I can't imagine losing what you guys did. I, that'd be, that'd be terrible. I just feel like I tried to, like, we, we have a really good relationship. And I feel like no matter do you guys what. Try? You can answer honestly. <laughs> we do. I do. Okay. Yeah. Why did you just hit him? I didn't. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just feel like I tried to support him any way I can, and I feel really blessed. Like, I when we were early, we just talked about this actually the other day too. When we were first married, and I quit working full time, I probably made four thousand dollars a month doing hair when I worked full time. And when I had Branson, it was again then being naive. I thought I'm supposed to stay at home and I'm going to quit right. and magically we'll someone blessed. will yeah. you know somehow will make up this money because i'm doing what's right and that's the only time i've ever had but who says you're doing what's right who who decides oh whether, me me no but who decides <laughs> that staying home with your kid is right totally but right. that was what i had in my head right and so well, and they, that is taught actually that is that is a sure problem. yeah but, but when it didn't happen i was a little resentful to ryan but it took me it was quick yeah, like it wasn't very and then long. once I once I got over that I knew I would never do that again like I would never resent my husband for anything that we go through because it's just it's not personal it's just life right. well it wasn't like I was doing it on purpose no well and he was, was like he was busting his nothing. butt the whole time right so I really felt blessed that time like we just I felt like we were just there for each other and and we were able to work through it and we're at a point where we both could have gone two very different ways. Like we right. could, we could be divorced. We could, 
like hard things keep happening and that's life but I think that lesson of what I learned was like it's it's not personal like different things happen to different people for right. sure but we're all none of us are getting out of here without trials and hard things happening and being hurt right so I think we were just very supportive with each other even and we we constantly talked like our communication lines were never down and I think that's huge yeah, I would too. tell her you know I would like he would tell me how he felt complaining but he would tell <laughs> but, me he wouldn't but, keep it to himself yeah. right where I think that's where the problem comes in is if you keep things in and you don't talk about it granted I will say back you know backpedaling a bit our first year of marriage was rough and we were in therapy the whole year trying true. to learn how to communicate true. whose fault was it it was both of our faults <laughs> Ryan it was mostly me <laughs> I'll take full responsibility <laughs> for that. We just both communicate very different, and it took us a while to figure that out. Yeah. I grew up in a loud family. You you well, say my how you feel. Loud, but yeah, but in a different way, I guess. We said how yeah. we felt, and you dealt with it. Feelings didn't get hurt a ton. And Ryan's family is very sensitive and very kind. Aww. And so I always was saying how I felt, and Ryan would keep it in until he was. And it takes until a lot to get him mad. Right. Like Ryan doesn't get mad very often, but when he does, I know I've I know I've been. You've poked the bear. Yeah. <laughs> the slumbering bear. So it just took us a while to understand how to communicate in a healthy way. Gotcha. So we did have therapy for a while to figure we that did. out, yeah. and I think had we not done that, it could have probably yeah. been a very well. Different and I, I had tons of anxiety, and even before all that other stuff happened, but I figured it out, I guess, in a way. So, so when you were depressed, how did you? How did you come out of that? What what changed? So was it was it just going to Grand Canyon and then and then decide that you're going to go no, through this program? That made it worse. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I mean, Grand when Canyon you when is. you decided to when you decided to pursue nursing, is that what that, changed it? That that was a big turning point for sure. Um, were you already headed out of depression at that point? Do you feel like? I well, feel like you were. Yeah, I think I was because the problem was is I just felt like I was in this black hole of like. I was never getting out of it. I felt trapped. Yeah. I, I would say that all the time. I'm like, I'm stuck, Kathy. Like, I'm stuck. I'm going to be here until I'm 65. I'm going to literally die in this cube, <laughs> dialing a phone, <laughs> making 50 grand a year, you know, just eking our way right. through life, barely making it, you know. Um, so I felt trapped. I felt helpless. I had tried to apply for different jobs and just, you know, and then I got into management and that didn't work out. I actually could make more money if I was just an enrollment counselor because at least then I could get overtime. So I was, you know, working every Saturday or whatever, just depressed, like super, super depressed and just hopeless. I just felt hopeless. So I think the turning point was when I, I in fact, I remember I had like this calendar I printed out and I had this whole plan. This was back when I still wanted to do dental school, but I had this whole plan of like how long it would take me, you know, and like I had like a year calendar for, gosh, what year was that? It would have been 2012 or something, 2011. Anyway, whatever year it was. So I had like 2011, 2012, 2013. I had it all like mapped out. You know, I'm like, okay, so like by, you know, 2020, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could be kind of done. We'd you know, be a or, doctor now. <laughs> yeah, or close to it anyway. Um, but that just having, you know, I think in a lot of ways I found my why. I found the reason of why. So I knew that Grand Canyon could serve a purpose to get me to a certain spot. So instead of just feeling like I was stuck, it then was like, okay, I'm doing this so I can provide for my family. We can eat. We can have a place to live. And then once all that, you know, once um, I kind of can get my ducks in a row, I can quit there. I can move on. I can go to school. 
and I can go have a better life. So it gave me hope, I think, to where I went from a hopeless state to a state of like, hey, I feel like I have direction in my life. I'm heading toward, I'm working towards something. I'm not just here because, I, you know, I, I just felt like I landed in that job because it was just something, it was like the one thing I could get without having a degree right? and make okay money, or I thought I could at, at first, but then that was taken away too. And so then it was well, like, well, and we were doing okay. Out. Yeah, like a fifty thousand dollars. That's not. Yeah, you can survive was, on that. We Absolutely. survive, but a that's lot of all we were survive doing. Survive on a lot less, for sure. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I'm not trying to. It was a good job, and it was. You know, I think for the potential, he thought he was going like that was the hard right. thing. Well, from like, what he came what, from and what he yes, was looking forward to. Yes, like exactly. we did fine then, but yeah. you know, you always have a aspiration to do better. To do I better, guess. Right. and the, and then he knew that was just. That was where he was. Capped. It was a, yeah, and then I when I looked at Grand Canyon as not like a prison, but like a stepping stone. <laughs> it was a springboard helped. for you to mm-hmm. get to where you were going. Yeah, exactly, and so then it changed my whole attitude. I felt like I, you know it was still I didn't love the job, but I was like I'm not here forever. I'm doing this to get me somewhere else. Right. And so I'm it's using funny it though because there's probably worth. like what five of you guys that were all together. Yes. And when they get together now, they're always like Ryan, you were the one man. You're the only one that got out of it. Because <laughs> they're all still there, and they when they all get together. They're like, oh, I hate my job. I hate this so bad. What what have we done? You know, we're you stuck here. Next time you see them, you need to say, I hate my job. I wish <laughs> I could go back. That I would be funny. Canyon. But you got to get your phone and record it. Yeah. Because I want to I hear what they say when you say that to them. Uh, grass is not greener on the other side, but it is. It's so much better. <laughs> my job is horrible. It's not greener. Yeah, it's filet mignon. Yeah, guys. Like, it's like it's not grass. <laughs> it's random dollar bills. No, no. I wish that'd be great. No, it's and it's not just about the money. I think it's about yeah. being happy about being in happy. what you do. Yeah, enjoying whatever, what you do. Yeah, whatever 100%. that is. So you didn't like selling college. Don't blame you. No. Nope, I did not. And some people really enjoy it. I mean, there were a lot of people there that genuinely were like, I love what I do. I wake up every morning. I get to help people. I did not look at it as I was helping people. Because, I mean, honestly, like, these people could hurt. They couldn't even read the application. They were like, tuh, tuh, oh, the, the application. I mean, they literally, it was that bad. And it's like, you're trying to go to school? Maybe you shouldn't do that. But, you know, I had a job to do. I had things, you know, I had a family to feed. And if they wanted, if they could. The numbers they had to meet. Yeah, exactly. And if they could at least get through the process, who am I to say they can't go to school? I'm not judge, you know, I'm not the, not the judge, you know, I'm not the one that's. Someone in their family should be telling they can't go without you, right? Right. That's your. We would always joke, there's a, there's a phrase in, um, I think it's Caddyshack, where one of the guys goes, the world needs ditch diggers too, Danny. (laughs) We would always like, that was our joke for like people that wouldn't. You're like, I don't think college is going to be the right fit for you. You're more of like, you know, manual labor. <laughs> that might be your strong suit. But anyway. So, yeah, I, I mean, to answer your question, I mean, just to, I think that's what helped me get out of that was just to a kind goal. of put, yeah, a goal and to put a light at the and, end of the tunnel. Yep. So that you were looking, like working towards. There. Right. Exactly. Yep. Nice. So well, that's good. Well, I'm glad you made it out of it. Yeah, me too. It was uh, definitely some dark days. (laughs) (laughs) There were some dark days for sure. I didn't think we were going to make it out. You know, um, I know me. A lot of times, um, way back when, I would look at people and be like, "Man, they just have no issues. Everything's just 
roses for them. And it's so tough where I'm at, but it's really not, you know, it's, I mean, it, it was tough where I was at for sure, but it's really not roses for them. Sure. You just don't see it, right? You just don't see it. Yep. Right. Well, I think yep. if people aren't willing to open up and be honest about, and not even be honest, it's hard to share, you know, especially when you're in the thick of it. But I think it's especially hard to share for a man because mm-hmm. they're the provider. Like in your situation, I'm the provider. I'm supposed yep. to be doing this. Man, I can't share this with anybody. They'll think I'm a loser. Right. I, they'll, I think it know. makes it especially hard for men. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it's definitely because there's a, a president set that you have to provide and be yep. the... Well, and be strong. Well, maybe that's not a president anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's how, that's, that's how we were raised. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. how I was taught. In the, Those um, more traditional roles. Right? Yeah. yeah. As a and father, uh, your at this day and age, it's not as prevalent. It's becoming less prevalent. But, um, you know, so I think it can be a lot more devastating for a man than a woman. It seems like you handle it really well, though, Kathy. I know. It's because she's a better person than a better person. <laughs> no, no. Ultimately, that's what it, no. that's, that's what it that's boils the down rumor. to. <laughs> that's the rumor. Yeah, it's not a rumor. It's, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. true. I will fully admit that. I know. I, the thing is, too, like, I know who I married. Like, I, I married a good man. You married an, a male I, nurse. <laughs> I, I married a merce. A merce. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I And I, I think that was helpful through it all, too. Like, I, I didn't get married just because I was desperate, too. I didn't get married because... That was what I was told I should do. I genuinely loved Ryan. He's He was and is my best friend. And I felt like we were both here. Like like I said, the last three years were so hard for me, and I feel like he was there for me through that. And I feel like that's what we're here for, is just to pick each other up when we need it and support each other when we need it. And I, I feel really lucky and blessed in that sense because I, I don't, I don't think everybody has that. And I don't right. I don't think I'm special because I do. I feel very I feel very lucky. A lot of space on choices too though, right? Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I dated a guy all through high school and I was gonna marry him and His I His name was Ryan. <laughs> no. Not this one though. Yeah. <laughs> but if I would and I would have done it knowing I shouldn't have because I loved him so much and that was a well, route I could did. have taken. Right. And he broke up with me, thankfully. And then, and then I, I met I met Ryan camp. soon after. <laughs> but you met I R2. could have, I could have made a very different, I could have had a very different life, but I do think that has helped. What does he do now? For both of us. R1. Oh, I don't, I mean, I know it's, he does. Um, I know you Facebook stalk him. No, I don't really. I think he works at a school. I don't really know. I'm friends with his oh, wife. he's a on, teacher? I don't know if he's a teacher or, or a principal. He's, a, he's, in the, he's in the school district. He does. You don't want anything with, to do that. No, I know. His, I'm friends with his wife on Facebook. I just don't exactly know. But he does announce like yeah, he, vol- basketball games. Yeah, I That's think he was cool. doing U of, U of A, a for maybe a while. girls yeah. like basketball. Oh wow, yeah, he's he's, a, he's legit. Yeah. yeah, so he does that. I know he does uh, that. Does that make you feel like she married down? No, pretty much. No, Basically. no, <laughs> not at all. And I'm You're sure so if someone would have, if him. someone would have talked to him about it, we both probably knew we were disasters for each other. But when you date someone for three years and you're in love with them, and you think, you think that. Oh, you. It, you're, I thought you were just talking about Ryan. No, no, my you, high school sweetheart. Your high school. We dated all through high school, <laughs> and we thought we loved each other. You know what I mean? Like, and it but turns if you out that wasn't true. No. Right. 
And that could have been the life I had very easily. But anyways, yeah. I just feel lucky and I feel blessed that well, that was the decision. I think, made. too, we, you know, we'll we'll kind of support each other. You know, like we'll notice when the other person is having a hard time. I think we're both kind of in tune to that. And so we'll kind of kind of pick up the slack, you know, where maybe one person's a little bit more down then we'll be a little bit more, Hey, you know, let's try to whatever it is that we're trying to do. Let's go have ice cream. Let's go. Right. And not I that know. I think we're like, like we fight, we argue. Yeah, it's not like sure. we're, no. it's not like we have a perfect quote unquote marriage yeah, no, not at all. and not that I'm like tooting our own horns here, but I think that's what supported us through it. To right. be honest, right. like if, it's if, those fights in the early years that taught you to, <laughs> oh, we still to fight. keep fighting. We still fight. <laughs> right? Oh, we fight all the time. It, <laughs> we argue. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we should say argue. Like Disagree. Yeah. Anyway. So she kicks you out yeah, onto pretty, the couch. Pretty much, yeah. And you're like, no, never, she's good about well, that. She, she's never kicked me out of the, out of the room. She, we, she's good about that. <laughs> That's I have nicer. a bad back. Bad back. <laughs> I couldn't sleep on the couch. She doesn't no. kick you out of the room. She just makes you sleep on the floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> can sleep on the Ryan, floor. get on the floor. <laughs> Not on the bed. <laughs> Anyways, I just think that really when it came down to it, above anything else, I feel like we had each other. And, well, and the communication, obviously. That, oh, for that sure. That obviously is a huge part of it. And, without and, the, the and the support, you know, like, I mean, here I am. Uh, what, I, I mean, at the time I was, what, 35, I guess, or when I like kind of made the decision to go back to school 34 so here i am this you know in my mid 30s and i decided to go back to school and i'm like pretty much like okay this is what we're doing and and she totally supported me through it and it that i mean i i will always be super grateful for that to her because she basically ran the house i mean my job was to do well in school and so i would literally that's what i did i mean i would go to school i would come home i would you know hide say hi to the kids spend study. 15 minutes with them or whatever and then i was in my room studying because that was my job um, right. that, that and that's how i treated it you know but um i mean i was i was pretty much <laughs> checked out in a different way i mean we knew it in was a good way get, in a good yeah. way right it was to, it was i was doing what it I was needed a means to, to an end mm-hmm. to get to where i needed to go <laughs> So, but, but I say that, I mean, I, you know, I, I say that all the time, people that I was in school with, you know, when you're, it, it was heavily female, I am a nurse, so, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of them didn't have any kids and weren't married, you know, they were right. single or whatever. Young, and really young. young. Yeah, they were years young, they had just graduated college 18, and then right. they were going to get their master's or whatever. And uh, they would just be like, how do you do this? You know, you have four kids or are you crazy? You know, cause by that time I had four. And, uh, and you're like, come by the house, come check it out. Yeah, like, you'll love it. It's come crazy. on over. It's we need a babysitter. <laughs> yeah. You're perfect. But they would just be like, how do you do this? And and honestly, and and I say this like, it's, it's it was Kathy. You know, that's right. that's how I was able to do it. Was her support. You know, her support for letting me kind of chase my dreams and do what I needed to do. And I think she knew ultimately that that was going to be a good thing. And so that's why she was willing to do it. But it could have been easy for her to be like, I'm not tough crap pal go go get a job and work i'm not dealing with all this you like going and chasing your dreams and try to be like successful like i mean you know, or not successful but just even be happy you know? her real dream was for you to be a doctor yeah it was. <laughs> since you got no, to remember, wear scrubs super remember i'm the one that was saying don't be a doctor yeah. no she, she liked the scrub she liked the scrub, <laughs> the scrub. so she's like nurse i, I can dig that 
She's like, I've only seen like two male nurses in my life. <laughs> Let's make you the third. <laughs> and the most handsome. That's right. And the most handsome. <laughs> That's right. No. I think there would be some people that would disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> well. Who, Lee? You might come have, on. You who? might have a biased opinion. Who? I don't know. The wives of the other men nurses. I don't know. The other two? Yeah, the other two that, <laughs> <laughs> that no one sees because they're in like New York or something. Right. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate you, you guys coming on and uh, talking about this. Um, it was... Uh, uh, very, very good thing to hear, and and I feel like I gained some insight um, about tough times, and you know some of the things that uh, we need to do to get through them. Don't give great, up. Right? A great example. You're a great example. Oh, of, well, thank uh, you. I appreciate that. I was talking to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I was answering for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no. In all seriousness, it, I I do appreciate you coming on here and talking about that. I'm I'm sure it's not the easiest topic to talk about, but since there's only gonna be like eight people that listen to this, and f- and four of them are me and three are you, so um, <laughs> we'll soon be more. We'll, maybe we'll get you. We'll, we'll see about that. Um, but uh, I do appreciate it, and uh, you know I um, I know that uh, you know things are hard. I think we can all agree on that, and uh, just important to keep pushing and find something to work towards. Exactly. Keep I you busy. I think that's the main thing, right? Right. Is, is just having that that why of why am right. I doing this? What's my purpose? What's my reason? You know. Right. When once you have that, it kind of changes the game because you know that you're working towards getting it's a means to that point. To an end, right? Well, and finding things you enjoy too, yep. even yep. outside of work. Right. Things that get, that bring you happiness work you know. can be hard no matter what yep it's true and this whole thing that people talk about find something you love and do it for work and you'll never work a day in your life i think it's total bs oh i agree by the way i don't agree with that at all. i totally i i agree <laughs> with you and that, that i don't agree with that because it's <laughs> because when you start doing it for work it's work it's work right. it's work yeah. right you stop enjoying it yeah right exactly wait so i talked about that podcast that i listened to that they they talk about that a lot on there that if you love to do something like say you loved i don't know skydiving or something mm-hmm. right you just join the navy and you'll learn to hate it because you do it for work <laughs> so true right and i think that's true in not just in the military but it's true in life too you know yep you know you like helping people Changing bedpans and whatnot, whatever you do. I never liked that. <laughs> I, I'm proud to say I only had to change when I was in the ER. That's why I loved the ER was because it was kind of treatment street and it was fast paced. It was you take care of them and either they die, they get, you know, I mean it's morbid but it's true. Um, they either you know pass away because they die or time. they get better. They get better and, and they get admitted. Right. So you only are with them. You know, very right. rarely do you have a patient the whole night. So I mean. Very rarely would I ever have to do because that I hated that about school. And right. in fact, you know, what's funny is the very like the very first I, I, I almost called Kathy and was like, I made a huge mistake. Like I should not have been a nurse. It was my <laughs> very first clinical experience. And uh, it was we did labor and delivery first, which is weird. Usually they they wait till the very end for that because there's a lot of moving parts. You're dealing with a mom and a baby and there's a lot of things you kind of got to 
figure that figure out with that. They and, figured uh, you have four kids, you can handle it. Right, exactly. No, it, well, it was the whole the, everyone in the whole school that was how they did it. For whatever reason, they had us do L and D labor and delivery first, and I just I hated every minute of it. Hated it, and I was like, I should not have done this. Like, I can't do this. Like, all these catty women, and they're all emotional all the time. And like, I, I just cannot do this. So anyway, what ended up happening was that that day I'm sitting there and I'm just like, what have I done? Like, I've made a huge mistake. I got into this program. Like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> so, but this lady came running in, and I'm the only one in the lobby. I was sitting in the lobby waiting for Kathy to pick me up because we only had one car. So she would always pick me up all the time. And I was at uh, downtown at uh, Good Sam. And anyway, so I'm sitting in the lobby waiting for Kathy to pick me up, wallowing in my sorrow, thinking I've totally screwed up. I should not have done this. <laughs> what am I going to do? I've got to tell her, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. But uh, anyway, this lady came running in and she was like, I'm having a heart attack. And like everyone looks to me because I'm the only one in the lobby wearing scrubs. So they all think that, you know, they didn't know I was a student nurse. You know, They thought I was like a doctor or something. So they all kind of looked to me and I kind of look at her and I'm like, Oh, I didn't really know what to do, but I like sat her down and I'm like, okay, well let's, you know, I had my stethoscope. So I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm going <laughs> to pretend like I'm doing something. <laughs> but I looked at the lady at the, you know, in the lobby. So you the, start giving her mouth to mouth and like, wait, yeah, she's breathing. Impressions, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm like putting the stethoscope on her forehead. Is this what I do? I don't know. Um, anyway, but I looked at the lady that was behind the information desk and I'm like, call someone. And so she's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And then the Calvary came running in and, and the doctor was like, what do we got? Like, what's going on? What, what happened? You know, asking me. And anyway, it was just a super rush, you know, and I'm like, I'm a student, you know, I just, she's saying she's having a heart attack. She's having pain running down her right arm or left arm and she's clutching at her chest. She's all sweaty, you know, and. And uh, she got here like, I don't know, four or five minutes ago. It, it was a horrible report, but it was to whatever I could do at that time, you know, right. um, for being a brand new. That was my first clinical I had ever done. Um, but that I was like, OK, that I could do that emergent situation. That was awesome. I loved that. And even though I didn't really do anything, just that feeling of like, OK, this I could do. And so then when we could choose what we wanted to do, I, w I chose to do ER. And then I was like, OK. And I went and did my clinicals in ER and loved it and that was what uh, that's what i ended up doing so anyway but it's just interesting how things can even change right while you're when you're in the thick of it you're like what have i done you know this is horrible but then things can find a way to switch around so it's kind of it's kind of like when you left the mtc and went to the mission you're like what we I didn't done? learn this language <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what what are they even saying right? i even spoke english and i thought that yeah <laughs> well i remember yeah anyway not to go on mission stories but i remember showing up so i served in the dominican republic and you know in the mtc it's all about quiet dignity and elders you never use the word guys and you need to bring the spirit you know and all that and you're like okay yeah and you're just expecting like to like walk on the mission field and these guys are like walking on water you know they're just like oh they're elders and they're in the mission field already and i'll never forget we pulled up into my first apartment and the district leader comes running out of the house he's got frosted tips he has a chain wallet. He's like, what's up, dude? Welcome to the mission. <laughs> I'm like, where am I? <laughs> like, this was not what they told me to expect in the MTC at all. They like made it sound like everyone was just, welcome out there. We're very glad to have you. We're in the middle of scripture study at the moment. We'll help you with you your bags. You can turn to Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> Today we have a sermon by Elder Smith that will... Anyway, yeah, it was pretty fun. So... 
Well, good. Uh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you guys came on. Um, appreciate it. Us. Yeah, and um, next time you have an issue, let me know. And we'll <laughs> talk about it again. I'm sure it'll be next week. <laughs> it, was good, it was good. It was good. Was making a weekly thing. Yeah. <laughs> weekly therapy session. Is that with two E's or E A? Yeah. I, I'm confused at which weekly you're talking about. Both. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, I appreciate you guys doing that, uh, coming on and uh, sharing your story. So. Thanks for having us. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's been a good time, and, and uh, you know, I, I know I feel like I learned a lot from from what you shared, and hopefully, hopefully the um, the audience did too. So, the eight of us that are going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, if we can just get one person, one person, right? We've done our job. So, anyway, thanks, and uh, to all of the listeners out there. Um, I'm going to try to do one of these every week, every Wednesday. So look forward to the next podcast on Wednesday. Thanks and have a good day.